From the Grand Reading Room in the Nashville Public Library, this is Just Conversations, Nashville Reads How to Be an Anti-Racist, presented by the Metro Human Relations Commission. Greetings and welcome to Just Conversations Nashville. Um, I'm joined here today with several colleagues and we're going to talk to you about um, chapter six in the book, How to Be Anti-Racist by Ibram Kendi. And before we get started, I want to introduce myself. Uh, my name is Yusuf Harris. I'm the owner of a Cavalon Images bookstore located here in Nashville, Tennessee. And we've been in existence for 35 years. And prior to that, I taught in the psychology department at Tennessee State University. And I want to, the panelists to introduce themselves next. My name's Allie Russell, and I am uh, currently really kind of retired. Uh, we sold a, a business last year. So I've been in uh, manufacturing and uh, spent some time on Wall Street earlier. Uh, I have two daughters, and um, I hope to share my story. Thank you. My name is William T. Robinson, Jr. I'm a native Nashvilleian. I have been married 33 years, and I'm the proud father of two grown sons, Matthew and Stephen. I'm a retired educator, and I am a, I consider myself a community activist. I'm also a columnist for the Nashville Pride, an African-American community newspaper. Okay, thank you. Um, in this book, um, chapter six, um, there's a perception that uh, the author uh, describes as um, bodily racism. And he says that perception is based on certain rationalized behaviors or certain racial, racialized bodies um, are more violent than others. And um, so consequently, obviously this, this perception has been created to uh, affect the flow of behaviors in our society and, and, and uh, as well as different racialized groups. And basically the, the racialized group that he's referring to um, is, is the black body. And I was kind of wondering, uh, I want to ask the panelists rather, what um, do you see as contributors in the United States that, that help to uh, create this message of, of um, black bodies as being violent or more violent than other racialized groups? Well, I think it goes without saying, uh, the media plays the most significant role in promoting racism. Uh, it's also institutionalized in everything, every venue that you can think of, economically, politically, and socially. So there's no getting around it. It's like the air you breathe. It, it, it is so severe and it's, it's, it's done on purpose. And whether we like it or not, like I said, uh, sub, subconsciously or subliminally, it's, uh, we get that message, whether we know it or not. Uh, I think it, it takes place the time you're born. And I mean, being a person of color, being a, a black person, uh, I've been subjected to uh, feelings that uh, came about just by experiences, experiencing just living, just normal things. And you, you, you kind of play it off for a while, but then again, you know, you come to think this is real and, and, and unfortunately, you know, it, it keeps us from being more uh, collectively united as, as people. 
But personally, uh, I, I think it's, you're going to find very few people, who, people of color who have not experienced this. Um, I think the media does play a, a big role, and I think that uh, it's always worked to the benefit of the white man to demonize the black body because it puts money in its pockets. It's uh, free or now very low wages for um, black workers. I, I just think it's been, an, it's been institutionalized since the beginning of the country, uh, just in coming up with the Constitution and making you know, blacks unable to vote uh, because they're not fully human. And so I think it runs super deep in the country, and it has been to the benefit of the, the, the richer classes to maintain the system of, um, of inequality. I think with the media, uh, I think with politicians, it is used on behalf of, uh, to their own end to promote a fear of the black body. And that fear directly benefits them. Uh, get somebody stoked up, as we see in today's politics. You get whites all just full of fear, and they make certain, a lot of times, irrational decisions. But they don't, you know, it's, it's, it's um, a matter of not having very much familiarity with the subject matter or what they're fighting against. I think inequality brings up a lot of fear and the fear turns to anger. And we're, you know, just so incredibly divided. So it gets, so people get more and more afraid of the black body. You know, blacks among themselves, I mean, this is how severe this is, this racism is. Even blacks among themselves are, are fearful of each other. A lot of us, I feel, based upon what the media has portrayed blacks, stereotypes of blacks and, and communities or whatever, and how we act and whatever. If you notice, most, uh, a lot of pictures and media coverage, they always cover, a lot of times they cover blacks in a negative light. And even as, a black, as, even as blacks, we have a tendency to look at that and, and subconsciously, you know, be aware and, and, and think that that's the reality uh, for our communities. Yeah, even, um, even in the book, um, Kennedy ref references um, President Clinton saying that whites have a legitimate fear of black people and, um, and that it's, 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 yeah, she says it's legitimate and that it's documented. And, and then you have blacks who are fearing each other within their own community. So you have blacks fearing each other and you have whites saying that they're fearful of blacks but it's like, it seems like there's some system above all of that that's sort of organizing and creating these fears between the races for some ultimate goal, which is power and control to me of, um, and that's how institutional racism, racism or white supremacy comes about in that, it, in, in, in that it sustains itself by having individual groups fighting against each other for, for really no particular gain. I think there is a gain, you know. Well, gain not between the, the people who are fighting, but it's a gain yeah, yeah, to, to for those who oh, are in control. I, I think, so yes. gain a group of people for control yeah. and power. And, uh, yeah, yeah. You have the, the, I mean, so much inequality now that 
there is much concern about where whites are going to have their next meal come from as blacks. I mean, there, there's just a lot of poverty. And the way that it's presented to them is the blacks are taking it all and the, and the blacks are, you know, the blacks, the whites are taking it all. It's a matter of, you know, it's really a matter of um, in, poor, in poor communities, crime rates are going to be higher because people are more desperate. So what if we make people less desperate? We give them chances and opportunities and good education. Then I think that a lot of this will help to ease the crisis that we're in today. Don't you think, I mean, it's at a critical point. Something has to change. Right, something, something has to change, but I think the foundation for a lot of, the, of what needs to change has been institutionalized for such a long time that it's gonna take generations for change to really come about because the, the racism, institutional racism has been built on, on, on you know, it's been several centuries old and it's been built on free labor. So if you have a, a group of people who had free labor for 400 years and free labor coming off the backs of people who were enslaved, and most of those people were Africans, then it's gonna be hard to ever have a quote unquote equal playing field. And when I, hate, when I hear people talk about equal playing field, it, to me it's just a joke because it's, it's, you can't have an equal playing field when someone's had a 400 year head start on you. How are you going to have equality? Um, and so consequently, I feel like we have to start looking at or identifying ways that, that we can dismantle um, racism or look at how, what, what's, what are some early steps that we can build on so that our next generation can continue to build on and that, so, that, so that change can come about because Right now, everybody, the com both you know, communities of white and black and brown people are fearful of each other. And if you're, if you're in fear of other communities and people within your own community, then you're never gonna have about, create, you know, change is never gonna come about because you, you don't, have the, don't have the ability to work together collectively. So everyone's in their little communities in their small neighborhoods, isolated, and, and really can't unite because I'm fearful of another neighborhood or and are fearful that they might get more than me. And so, so you start you know, protecting your own turf and every turf becomes smaller and smaller and you need to have a larger turf to, to fight racism. And so racism, you know, we, we, take, we talk about taking down monuments and people giving donations and uh, corporations you know, donating money, but are they changing their policies and, and practices? And that's where change is going to come about. And that's where we need to recognize that that's where you know, we need to put our focus on. Um, I think it's, it's a good thing that we are, are beginning to re recognize the complexity and severity of racism uh, in our institutions and in our systems, whatever. And that's a start. The mere fact that we can come here and we can talk about it, that's the beginning. But. Uh, you got to understand uh, the powers to be who orchestrated racism, because racism is a construct, a social construct that was built in for, for a certain group to control people, to subjugate a group of people, 
and to have power and economic uh, uh, superiority. And, and make no mistakes, uh, this has uh, been going on for centuries, whatever. It, it's been going on worldwide, but it's more prevalent here in the United States, and especially uh, among um, oppressors using people of color, blacks. And it's so subtle that even that um, when you're born and you are in the dominant uh, population, uh, Caucasian, it's, you have entitlements and privileges that you don't even think about. Exactly. I mean, right. it's like breathing, whatever. And, and when you look at other minorities and, and they're complaining or whatever, you look at, what's the problem? Uh, uh, you live in a house, I mean, you got the same things I, I have, but you gotta understand the United States for people of color have always denied them opportunities, you know. And they use the, our physical uh, appearances, you know, whatever, they use all the, <laughs> All, all the props they could to, dis, to, to try to portray us as barbaric, brutal, uh, animalistic, uh, and, and, and for the most part, it, it worked. It has worked. And it, it's, in our, it's, in, it's even in our psyches, people of color, black peoples, they even got into our psyches to the point that we, that we feel superior. A lot of us, unless we know our, uh, educated, know our history, we feel uh, inferior. And fearful. And fearful of each other. Mm -hmm. And that's by design. So fear and that's, is and that's by design. And, I, and I'm just trying to let everybody know the severity and, and how, how deep it is. How deep this is. This is a profound uh, act, you know. Yeah, just by turning on the TV or reading a magazine, it, there are messages subtle, as you know, sometimes it's messages all day long. You know, so I, I can't imagine how that feels. I, I'm more aware and know how to look for it, but it really, as a white person, a lot of it, and I'm just fessing up, <laughs> a lot of it goes over, you know, my head. I, I don't realize it, but the whole, like, what we were talking about before with um, the protesters going through a white neighborhood and the couple that came out onto the lawn with their guns and they were elevated they weren't they weren't taken to the police for threatening people they were elevated to you know the national convention um it, it is seriously you know blacks with guns you're going to get shot right whites with guns you get left alone I mean, th that's the biggest inequity that I see on TV right now. It's really kind of, I mean, you can't, you can't see it more clearly than what's on the news today. Yeah, and you, then you sometimes wonder, you know, how, if the media is being slanted to show, to show certain depictions of black and, 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 and Caucasian people, you know, is it? And in all the, fairness, if I was a person and I didn't know too much about a person of color or a black person, based on what I see on TV and I read about, I would be apprehensive. I mean, because they show such negative. I think they should, uh, uh, being a person, I'm, I'm an educator, so I think they should do just as much showing the positive uh, effects of, you know, living conditions and, 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 and living, uh, of positive blacks opposed to those in a negative light. You know, we, 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 we've been projected in a monolithic 
view. And then individuality, you know, uh, it, it has its, 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 its purpose. It's okay. You know, yesterday's paper in Nashville, they had a picture of a, of a black guy who, who's, who's, um, who is working in a museum in, in Alabama, and, and the, they do museum tours. And previously, you know, all the museum tours told things from, you know, the white side of, of the fence, in a sense, in terms of telling the, the stories of, of white uh, society during slavery. And, and then it said that this was done for over 100 years, and they just never thought about trying to tell the black side of what it was like to live in a slave cabin, to be um, beaten and threatened, and to live under s slavery conditions. And then they just said, you know, and they said it would never occur to me. <laughs> you know, the white folks were saying to, and these were the people in the history department of the state of Alabama, you know, the state of Alabama Archives we do department. love to rewrite history. Say it again? We love to rewrite our history to make us the good guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, so it was Thought like, about that. Um, there's so, so that people don't even think about, um, you know, what happens with, within black communities or, or even try to learn. And so it's just accepted that, you know, this is the standard. This white Anglo-Saxon kind of mindset is the standard everybody needs to to follow, and if you don't follow it, then you're going to be judged inferior or, or, or judged in a negative way because you're not following the standard. And so it's important that I think we recognize this and look at how we can expand the conversation. And, and, and um, the story of black folks needs to be, needs, it needs to be told, and, and it's been suppressed and intentionally just so that the racist ideas can continue to exist. Um, so what, what do you see short-term things that we can do right away to combat or, or fight the, the system of, of racism? Well, what we're doing right now, being able to talk about it. Uh, when you don't talk about something, uh, you have fears and, 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 and you acquiesce and don't say anything, you're part of the problem. Uh, we have a lot of fears and insecurities about certain things and situations and people and we don't talk about it and so we effect it's because more uh, we effectuate it it happens and 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 it's continues it gets worse but the mere fact we can sit here and, and converse and talk about it uh, and I'm sure a lot of times talking about things like this makes people feel uncomfortable but we got to get uh, beyond our, uh, our comfort zone and, and if we, we are serious about bringing about a positive result. We, we got to do that. Also, you got to address the educational system. Educational system has done so much harm as far as in, in, in the public school system, whatever, it's teaching. The true history of the United States, let's, let's be honest, the true history of the United States is not a, a pretty history, okay? And a lot of people you know, feel uncomfortable talking about it, and, and maybe by not talking about it, they think, you know, it didn't exist, uh, you know, they don't want to have to deal with the results of our past history. We've always been taught, if you don't learn from history, you're apt to repeat it. And that's what we're doing. We're constantly repeating something because we don't talk about it, you know. Right. And, and that's a good side. I mean, in history, the, the, in all honesty, there's a good side and a bad side, okay? And what side are you, uh, you going to be uh, uh, part of? Okay. But uh, I think, being an educator myself, I have found that when you are honest with these uh, students, and the public per se, and just tell them the truth about the history, 
you know, don't dumb down the public. The, the people, our kids are a lot smarter than you realize. And when they see the reality, you know, of history, whatever, they can say, you know what? That was wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, that wasn't right. And I'm going to make a constant effort as an individual to make a difference. Okay. I can't control the past because it happened. But, you know, it's in the present and in the future, I'm going to do everything I possibly can to uh, make the situation much better. So well, I just, just being honest. What would you say? Oh, so, uh, uh, for, uh, um, the question was, what can we do? Yeah. You know, I, I called you. It was the best thing that I could do. And I'm, I'm branching out and meeting a lot of different people. And I, what my whole idea was, I mean, I've heard on, on TV, it's like women were saying, get up. You can't just read books. You have to take action. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, I'm following their direction. And so I want to meet as many new people and incorporate the, my community together to make a, 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 even like personally, and I know this sounds small, but just to have a group that's called a, a, like an accountability group. Let's set some goals of what we can do right now. And, and if they don't have to all be the same goals. People might have different goals, but we meet once a month or so to say, I've followed up with this politician or the school board. You know, th these are the actions that, that I've taken to um, affect change. Uh, I think it could use some more definition, but that's just my idea for now because it's so overwhelming. I mean, I'd love to take down a lot of roadblocks immediately, but I think we just have to stay in touch with the politicians and just needle them until they are made aware that this is a whole community problem. It's not a black problem. It's a problem in Nashville. And you know, it affects, it, it affects everyone. Racism affects, it, it brings down everyone's existence. So having a black white conversation We'll get that ball rolling. I mean, y'all have taught me so much in such a short time. And I, I just have so much enthusiasm for accomplishing something, for moving ahead with something. You know what, we also need to have, a, maybe as you say, a committee to evaluate some of these laws and policies and practices that promote racism. Because like I said, it's, it's, it's so severe, systemically and institutionalized. And, and we just need to look at some of these uh, policies and laws. And, and yeah. I agree. think about changing them. Yeah, I think there's a lot that needs to be done. I think we have to recognize that it's gonna create, I mean create, require rather, a lifestyle change where we can't just do this nine to five Monday through Friday and be off on the weekends. It has to be something that, if we're really interested in change, it has to show full-time commitment um, and, 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 and steadiness to, you know, reach to you know, identify goals and objectives and to work towards reaching them. We just can't be, do this part-time because it's not going to come about um, as far as change if we don't adequate, I mean, accurately you know, um, be persistent and pursuant pursuing you know, goals and objectives that we set forth. And, and we have to, you know, like I said, be consistent about it. And, and that's what it's going to require. And, and to the extent that we'll do that 
and make that commitment, we will see change. But um, oftentimes we, we feel comfortable until something happens within our family and then we want to react or respond. But we can't always wait for something to happen. We have to be more proactive in, in creating change. And I think that once we become proactive, once we become um, focused on, on goals and recognizing the realities that, that, that create, that are part of, of racism, all the racist ideas, and we can you know, begin to approach it effectively to create change. And we also have to recognize the economics of racism. And a lot of, a lot of racist behaviors are based on sustaining economic um, policies and, and lifestyles um, or structures that, you know, that are based on you know, the, 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 the um, misbehaviors or the misery of those who, who don't have power or those who don't have, so the, the haves and the, it becomes the haves and the have-nots kind of scenario where, I think you talked about classism before, um, so we have to, you know, recognize, and there's a lot to recognize, but we have to be committed if we're going to create change and not just feel like it's going to happen overnight. And we have to, again, not wait till someone gets shot or killed or discriminated against to, to want to be more proactive. We have to recognize that this is something, this has to be our lifestyle and our, our way of life. I think we also can make a more concerted effort to judge people on an individual basis than on a group basis, you know. And when we start looking at someone individually and, and their morals and character and values, instead of putting them in a group, uh, I think that's going to help make a lot of difference. I think that's one of the biggest problems when, as being a, a person of color, you know, judging somebody, making them monolithic. And it, it, the mon people usually talk about different groups of people, you know, uh, it's easy, generalization, generally speaking, they put, they, it's easy to put them in a, a group. But sometimes we, we got to start making a concerted effort to start judging each, each one individually. And I think that would help a lot. Right, it's just increasing our familiarity with one another will break down, I think, a lot of that generalization and uh, stereotyping. And it's, uh, just to widen the circle of interest. I mean, that's a big thing for me is getting, you know, bringing along my friends and, and my community along on this journey uh, would be really rewarding I, I, to me. I, I think that would really help. Okay, so um, I want to thank you all for being a part of this discussion. Um, I think that, like you said, this is a start and that we have conversations about change, about, um, in this particular situation, about racism. Um, there's going to be another chapter uh, dis discussion on chapter seven in this book that deals with culture and cultural hierarchy, and, and, um, which is a very good, interest, a very another interesting and great chapter to read. So I look forward to people um, continuing to watch this program and, um, and be more committed to, to be a change agent instead of one who just wants to watch, sit back and watch and not, be, and not participate in the dismantling of racism.
Just Conversations is presented by the Metro Nashville Human Relations Commission. Executive producers Sarah Imran, Mark Etherly, Barbara Gunlardi, and Bob Farisee. Directed by Cooper Smith and produced by Alex Bennett, Caroline Pace, and Cooper Smith. Special thanks to the Nashville Public Library, Jenna Schmid, and Mark Crowder. For more information and more episodes, visit JustConversations.org. Follow us on Twitter at JustConversate, on Instagram at JustConversaciones, or on Facebook at JustConversate.